hundreds murdered every year, thousands shot, generational poverty, horrible public schools, and the issue that keeps these people up late at night is bike lanes. Bike lanes. Yeah, and bricks. I mean, it's bizarre. So, I mean, look, in, in St. Louis, yes, I supported Jashar Jones, I supported Kim Gardner, uh, I was part of Ferguson Upper, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, right? Yeah, yeah. And so on those issues, I have allies that we work together. Mm-hmm. But it's situational, we work together on these issues. But yeah. when they talk about bike lanes and they start talking about, you know, some of these issues oh, regarding yeah. the gender, you know what I'm saying? I mean, I'm not, you know, I'm not there with them. You know, now the bike lanes is a class issue. I, I'm a driver, you know, trying to, you know, and I, you know, I, I, I'm not with it. Uh, you know, so, some you of the other things the other day on Twitter about like that there's all this poverty in North St. Louis, but a couple of bike lanes will fix it or something like that. Yeah, I mean, to me, it's ridiculous. We have <laughs> it is zone, ridiculous. We have war zone levels of violence. Yeah, that's hundreds, right. murdered, hundreds murdered every year, thousands shot, generational poverty, horrible public schools, and the issue that keeps these people up late at night is bike lanes. Bike lanes. Yeah, and bricks. I mean, it's bizarre. It's a bizarre <laughs> thing. But the funny thing about it is, there's a there's a black scholar. Uh, I read his book. Uh, oh man, I can't remember the name. Uh, his name, but it'll come to me. And he was talking about the protests of last summer, the George Floyd. And he mm-hmm. said they quickly went from black lives to white spectacle. Uh, so he was talking about like Portland and gentrified neighborhoods in D.C. and Brooklyn, right? Yeah. Or, where it was white protesters like burning stuff down and you know yeah. things, yeah. And uh, you know, basically saying this was white spectacle it had nothing to do with Black Lives, had nothing to do with George Floyd. It was just a, a party in the street, you know, and and and, yeah. and you know, and and people got out of hand. But um, the, the irony is, if you go to St. Louis or to any other city where you see the neighborhoods with Black Lives Matter signs, right? Yeah, like go to the Shaw neighborhood in St. Louis. Yeah, the Shaw neighborhood used to be a black neighborhood. When my mother, my mother lived in Shaw for decades, it was a black neighborhood. Yeah. Now there are very few black people left. But it's in Shaw. Black Lives Matter. Signs black there. Lives Matter sign. <laughs> and the same thing. I saw a rally in Bed-Stuy, Brooklyn, and yeah. Bed-Stuy used to be the well over ninety percent black. You know, and the rest were mostly Puerto Ricans and Dominicans. Now it's you know, been heavily gentrified outside of the areas of public housing. And they had a Black Lives Matter rally in Bedstock. <laughs> and it was like 99% white. Yeah. It, I mean, it, it, it was bizarre. You know what I'm saying? So, you know. Two summers ago, I went surfing in Rhode Island, the yeah. richest, most, the richest, whitest, most Protestant area ever. And there's Black Lives Matter signs on every single lawn. Like, it's odd. I mean, it's, I mean, I mean, it, you know, it's it, it, it's like the uh, the Met Gala the other night, right? Which is a, a yeah. costume it's, it's a costume party for the wealthy, and you got politicians and actors coming in with their political statements that cost them nothing. They cost them nothing. I mean, so I mean, we're in a performative age, right? We're in a performative age, and and um, 
after the Met Gala, speaking of this Muslim identity stuff that's been mentioned earlier, it was a Muslim writer, Noor something. Uh, she really got dragged on Twitter. Oh, yeah. 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 She said, where were the hijabs? Where were the hijabs? Yeah. And so this was an example. Wait, of is she someone, the one that they mistook for the Pakistani actress? They mistook her for the Pakistani. But she was getting heavily dragged, even by leftist Muslims. I mean, across the board, everyone was uh, criticizing her because uh, this was an example of trying to use Muslim identity as your calling card for access into these spaces. Like, okay, we need yeah. when the essence of hijab is about modesty, and the essence of this thing is immodesty. You so know, why would you be there at all if you were a serious? Well, that's, I thought it was hilarious where she said, oh, I feel so defeated. I was mistaken for a Pakistani actor. Oh, you poor thing. I was mistaken for Brad Pitt. And it just it, right. yeah. it kills me. It kills me. So, you, so did you grow up in St. Louis? No, actually, I came at it the exact opposite way. And, and I, do not, I do not understand the affection for mayonnaise flavored matzo pizza this disgusting i cannot figure out why st louisans love i love it pizza. i love it i know every and toasted ravioli like take a, a brilliant piece of pasta and then bake it what the you're gonna get deep me cursing here deep fried. yeah get are you a fan of, tell me you're not a fan of toasted ravioli i used to work in a factory louisa foods oh. in the in um, Jennings, I believe it was, a couple of West Florida, I used to make toasted ravioli. Oh, no, I knew it. I knew it. Well, I got, yeah, I, I came, my, ironically, my parents are, are from St. Louis and moved away. And then I came to Missouri to go to graduate school and basically changed my mind. And, and I got to say, like, I, I have a love-hate relationship with St. Louis. I think it's, it's, it's a it's a great place to live. I wouldn't want to visit. Sort of the opposite of New York. But, like I mean, we've had some incredible poets, writers, musicians. Yes. And yes. the longer I'm here, the more I appreciate it. But you you seem to have like grown up here and loved it from the beginning and sort of expanded outward. I grew up away and I'm sort of insularizing my way into St. Louis. Well, I feel a lot of transplants love St. Louis more than the natives, right? Because, I mean, if, if you grew up in St. Louis and you were exposed to a lot of the problems, like in public schools, et cetera, yeah. a lot of people can't wait to get out, you know? Uh, but the ones that stay there really love St. Louis and can't see themselves living anywhere else. And uh, love the St. Louis foods, love the pizza, love the toasted ravioli, the gooey butter cake, the St. Louis style Chinese. Oh, gooey butter cake. Why bother? Just make a cake for crying out loud. Well, my birthday is on Saturday. We will be making a cake. So with, okay. Uh, yeah. Your birthday is on Saturday? That's right. Happy birthday. birthday. How old are you? 39 years old. Not bad. All right. Well, you've, 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 you've made <laughs> Made it past the past the mean. I guess it, you're officially entering middle age. Well, next year, thirty nine is not the actual age. It's just the age I'm sticking with. Oh, it's, okay, that's cool. That's yeah. I'm sticking with twelve. Yeah, there you go. There you go. <laughs> so let me ask you this. So, you where, where did you say you grew up? What state did you grow up in? I grew up in Galveston, Texas, which is famous Gal for its natural disasters, nineteenth mm -hmm. uh, century in uh, architecture, and Serial killers. Jack Johnson. 
and Jack Johnson, the former heavyweight champion. Of yeah, the world. yeah, the boxer. Yeah, the boxer. There's a big statue to him in the park. Yeah, so I've been to Galveston. Um, no, and why? What, what? Why would you ever go to Galveston? Um, kind of on business. Okay. Kind of. Yeah. But <laughs> the 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 uh, 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 the did you, and you grew up Catholic in Galveston, right? Yeah, and Galveston's a real Catholic town. It's only two miles wide, and there are, I think, seven Catholic churches. So you get, and it's, and it's oddly, it's a very racially diverse place. And, and everybody, because it's a tiny island, everybody has to live together. You got well, Houston Man is the most diverse city in America. What's that? Houston, which is next door, yeah. is the most diverse city in America. Is it? I yeah. didn't know that. Well, our, our high school, they used to film advertisements and stuff at my high school because all the kids were just we, we've got a huge filipino population indian population a sort of cajun french population a, a large black population hispanic population and so we you know i my uh i probably shouldn't tell this story but what's what's the point of having a podcast unless you can say something scandalous but my um all of my my sister's first uh let's see my sister's 10th birthday she invited her best friends who were across the Sean and I can't remember who the fourth one was, but my grandmother who grew up in Baton Rouge, no, Abbeville, Louisiana, whispered to my mother, does she have any white friends? Mm. Yeah, so it was a but, the old school way of looking at it, yeah. Yeah, well, I, I you know, I, I'm not gonna make any excuses for her, but she had her problems. Yeah, but yeah. it was, you know, there was just no way around coexisting because you were, I mean, two miles wide the island. And if you didn't get along with your neighbor, you just, <laughs> well, you, yeah, I mean, water, I guess. You're, you're, you're what, a little bit younger than me, I guess. Or... I'm 50. Okay. So we're about the same age. And I'm 39. Um, I mean, sorry. Yeah. There you go. There we're you go. exactly uh, the same age. My wrinkles and gray hair come from women, which, you know, you know, so. You <laughs> I, you know, before I became a monk, I used to say to myself, like, if it weren't for women, I would learn another language, publish a book, you know, get an extra couple of degrees. And it's true. I gave up women. I got published two books, got an extra couple of degrees, learned Italian. So, yeah. So what, hmm. what made you decide to become a, a priest? Well, the answer, the answer changes depending on who's asking, um, because I guess, well, because the answer changed from like hour to hour, I'll, I'll tell you what, I'll tell another scandalous story, which is that when I came, moved to St. Louis, I was just about engaged to be married. We've been going out for about two and a half years. We were very, very serious. I gave her a pair of earrings once and she went ballistic. I said, no, no, not yet, not yet. Um, and uh, I, I, was, I was taking a class at St. Louis University in Greek and, uh, and, that, and I met these monks and I was sort of visiting the monastery. And uh, the, the, this girl that I nearly married, she's very beautiful. She was runner up Miss believe it or not. And she had beautiful eyes. And I used to draw her eyes in the corners of my notes when I get bored. And uh, I, I'd started visiting this monastery. I was going back. I, I really the, the guys were really interesting, and um, and that and I sort of it was a lot like uh, not to put too sentimental a spin on it, but a lot like falling in love 
uh, that I, I wanted to tell everybody about this place. I couldn't not be there. I wanted to share it with people. And I looked in my notes at one point and I'd quit drawing eyes and I had started drawing little pictures of monks mm. in the margins of my notes. And uh, I guess that was the, that when I saw that, I realized something was in the works. And so basically it came down to either I was going to do the, they, they weren't going to give me money to go to grad school unless I was a Missouri resident. And by the, but by the time I got my residency, uh, I kind of changed my mind and I had the two letters on my desk. One said, thank you very much. I'm coming in the fall. The other one said, thank you very much. I'm becoming a monk. You can keep your money. And I went to the abbot, who's the head of the monastery, and I said, you choose. And he said, oh, no, you don't. I'm not letting you saddle me with that one. You got to decide yourself. So anyway, I sent off the one that uh, told him I was joining the monastery and then spent the next six years second guessing my decision. So when you joined the monastery, do you enter a period of study? Well, yeah, it's it. First, you're a guest where they, and they just sort of watch you for a while to make sure you're not a sociopath. Sometimes that works. Sometimes it doesn't. We've had a couple of sociopaths pass through. <laughs> um, but then uh, then you spend a year pretty much in silence where you just uh, you learn how to pray like a monk. You learn the Psalms, you uh, study the Gospels and, and monastic history and stuff. And then then you take your simple vows for and then if the abbot decides he wants another priest he'll send you off to seminary for a couple of years so the abbot said, yeah the well kind of i went to oxford to do my theology in england okay. and then came isn't back and university, right? what's that isn't that a protestant university it is yeah it, it wasn't and it, the funny thing was when i was there brexit right the, the Church of England, the original Brexit, right? Yeah, yeah, the original Brexit. Yeah, yes, I never thought of it in that in those terms. Uh, but they it certainly didn't end very well for the monks, which actually was was partly why I was at that statue praying because I get very nervous when I see people start tearing down statues because <laughs> they did that in Protestant uh, England, and boy, the monks did not did not handle that didn't did not fare well in the wake of that. But it, uh, so actually, that that would be a good topic for us to to start. Yeah, we're going to have a whole episode on statues and and King Louis the Ninth. Awesome. We've already hit thirty seven minutes. How long are we? How long do we decide we want this to go on? I think I think we should be 40, 45 minutes. After that, people kind of tune out. All right, then let's. Yeah. We got what five more minutes to talk. What do we want to do? Well, let's see. I, we've got us. I've got a sort of episode list coming up. I think. We can decide even on the air, as it were, whether we're going to do this. We're definitely having an episode on the statue. We got it. We got to talk about. Latin, by the way, you speak Latin. I can read a lot of Latin and translate some with a dictionary, but very few people in the world speak it. I sing it every night. Do you do you read? Do you speak Arabic? Oh yeah, I read. I, I can read Arabic. I, I can speak a little bit, not that well. So that's about, yeah, that's about what I've got. <laughs> We're probably, your Arabic and my uh, Latin are probably about equivalent. Uh, okay. Although you, it's, you do you read, you don't read the, the Quran in translation, I take it. I do, I do. But it, the Quran is in Arabic. Right. So the translation is kind of like a translation of the meaning. So it's for the easier to say a translation of the meaning because there's only one Quran that's in Arabic. Right. Yeah. Somebody told me that, like, if you were a real Muslim, like you, 
you really had to pray in the original language. Oh, 100% you pray in Arabic, but you can, oh, you okay. can, you can read. Uh, no, okay, so there's two types of prayer in Islam. There's the obligatory prayers, and in the obligatory prayers, it has to be in Arabic. Those are the ones that are five. Why? Uh, look, if you go, I can go right now to a mosque in Indonesia, Uzbekistan, mm. Nigeria, Colombia, and I wouldn't miss a beat because I know exactly what's going on, and the prayer is exactly the same. So it's a Luga Franca of Islam, Arabic. It, it 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 binds us all together, and it's no different uh, with the Hebrew language in the, in the Jewish tradition. You know, yeah. the the prayers are in Hebrew. And, uh, but for personal supplications, like you're praying for your job or your family, those can be in any language. But for the obligatory prayers, those are in Arabic. Wow. All right. Well, now, I well, that's often the, the argument that you get for the Latin mass. Which... I was thinking that as I was saying it, I was like, okay, he's thinking about the Latin mass. Yeah. I, I say the Latin mass and I love it, but there's a certain, uh, I don't know if they have this in Islam. Well, I, I, maybe it is the same in Islam, but the, where the, the traditional type Catholics often have a huge chip on their shoulder. You know, actually, I guess, come to think of it, traditional Jews, traditional... Well, here's the thing with the Muslims. Muslims are a little behind on these things because we historically have not had a liberal and progressive movement. And this is really oh. something that has developed over the last 20 years, even though there were people before that. But, you know, social media, foundation money, academic institutions really helped to create this over the last 20 years. So historically, theological arguments in the Muslim context have been over the various theological differences, arguments, and, you know, um, that's Why do you been think that is how come the how come Islam is so slow to develop a progressivist movement? Um, you know, uh, I think these ideas took root in the West, uh, and uh, I think that uh, the Muslim world uh, was the most um, culturally able to kind of fend off some of these influences that were coming from Hollywood, that were coming from NGOs, etc. And that uh, eventually that broke down and you had younger generations of Muslims grow up in the West and they were internationalized and, 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 and these NGOs paid for them to go to Muslim countries, et cetera. I mean, I don't mean to be dismissive of the progressive movement because many of them are my friends. I like many of them very much. We work together on many issues on anti-racism, on uh, clerical abuse, et cetera. But uh, the traditional Muslim discourse, what dominated it in the last, couple of centuries was Salafi versus non-Salafi traditionalists. And so what the Salafi movement is, it, it was born with Muhammad Abdul Wahab from what is the Nejd of Saudi Arabia now, which basically said that Islam had been corrupted and needed to be taken back to the roots of the early generations of Muslims. So Salaf means the first three generations of Muslims. Oh. So it's, it's, it's similar to the Protestant movement in many ways. So uh, he was very much opposed to the veneration of men and, 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 uh, and, and the uh, concept of saints and the praying at graves, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So, uh, and, and it was a violence. That's movement you joined initially. That's correct. Okay. And, there was a, you know, and there was a lot of violence associated with that movement. Uh, the traditionalist would say that, hey, we have accumulated knowledge in these 14 centuries. Uh, we have developed schools of thought. 
you know, we've developed traditions that are valuable and uh, they, they would charge that the, uh, instead of bringing Islam back to the roots, that Muhammad Abdul Wahab invented something new, right? Uh, uh, and, and, and now the- That's and, been the and, traditional argument of Catholicism against yeah, Lutheranism or, or- Yeah, I just read an article, I'm gonna send it to you. Uh, it was an Orthodox priest uh, refuting a, uh, an evangelical pastor. So the evangelical pastor, pastor was asked, why are so many people converting to the Catholicism and Orthodoxy in America? Are they? Could have and, uh, yeah, so I think what he's referring to, not that many numerically, but I think a lot of more, um, uh, more religious, more yeah. kind of, or, or when you go to the Protestant church and you look for tradition, you can't really find a whole lot, right? I mean, it's, it's you know, in American context, if you look at like the Baptist, it's basically, you know, 200 years old, right? Yeah, uh, you look at the Protestant church, it's maybe 100 years old, right? I mean, excuse me, the, um, the Pentecostal, maybe 100 years old. They want to connect to the Christian tradition and back to the, to the early church, et cetera. And they don't feel like they can do that via Protestantism. So they have to, to, to do that via Catholicism and the Orthodox Church. So, the, and so my generation, the Salafi movement was very popular, very popular yeah. in the 1990s. And I wrote a book called The Rise and Fall of the Salafi Movement in America. And now it's still here and it's still influential, but it's declined in popularity. And a lot of it's because people say we can't, when we look at all of these uh, medieval Muslim scholars, like none of them are Salafis. This is a new theology, you know, so, yeah. It sounds to me like the exact opposite is happening in Islam that's happening in saying, well, I, I was sitting, uh, now, now my head's going a different direction, but I, I sat next to a rabbi, a very progressive rabbi on the plane coming back from a talk I gave. And he was complaining because he said, all the young Jews who are faithful, who want to go to temple or to okay. synagogue are super conservative. And I was like, well, yeah, in my monastery, the younger we, we refer to the young fogies and the old hipsters like the, yeah. the younger they are, the more conservative. But it sounds to me like in Islam, it's the exact opposite, that the younger are becoming more progressive and the older are staying. I wouldn't say that. I wouldn't say no? that. I would, I would put it differently. In the Jewish context, definitely you've seen a rapid decline in the reform denomination and conservative and Orthodox are having a lot of children. Oh, and also Chabad, which is a you know Chabad is a is a Jewish uh, missionary movement founded in Brooklyn, and they bring in lapsed and non-observant Jews. So people that are serious about Judaism, a lot of them are turning to Orthodoxy. I think what we're seeing is the decline of liberal religion in the in the Jewish faith and in Christianity. Look but at the number of Islam. Yeah, look for the numbers of mainstream Protestants. Mainstream, I mean, the mainline Protestant. The mainline Protestants are dropping. The more conservative are holding even. I mean, yeah. Christianity as a whole is on a decline in America, but the conservatives are kind of holding even. Now, with Islam, I'll frame it different. If you go to the mosque in those four walls, it, it's just as conservative as it ever was. Oh, uh, really? So, so the, the liberal thing you see the progressive it's largely a social media thing or a college campus thing college campus mm. and social media you see do you think it'll ever make it into the mosques 
I think there will be some institutions established, uh, but I don't think it would be widespread because here's the thing. When mainline, mainline Protestant was coming into a thing as we know it today and reform Judaism and conservative Judaism, it was a time when religious affiliation was mandatory to be a part of polite society, right? So what Jews did is say, okay, we're gonna drop all of the things that will put us outside of the mainstream of polite society, but maintain our identity and tradition as best we can, right? Yeah. And so that is kind of what progressive Muslims have tried to do. The thing is, most people that feel like that today, they're just gonna say, you know what? I don't have any uh, use for Islam or any other religion. And they're not going to marry Muslims and they're not going to have, Muslims. you know, so I, I see it as a movement not going anywhere. Yeah. The people that are marrying Muslims, that are having Muslim children, that yeah. are raising their kids in the masjid, these people are more conservative. You know, so yeah. I, I actually think that Islam in America will shrink somewhat because a lot of these big suburban mosques, I think, will close, but will become more conservative. This is exactly what's happening in the Catholic Church. The, that that and that's exact. That's almost like word for word what I told this rabbi. I was like, "Look, I mean, I I, I have no problem with progressive Catholics. I mean, they they're good people, but there's just no future in it. <laughs> they're not becoming priests. They're not joining monasteries. They're, I mean, I I haven't seen a progressive young vocation to the monastery if." If I thought that was the way to go, I well, I don't. But <laughs> if I did, I guess I, I wouldn't even know where to look because the more progressive they get, or I don't know if progressive is the word. It, these are easy terms to use, but not, yeah. not very They're good. loosely defined. Yeah, the, the, they, they leave. They, they just, if, if you don't really believe in the ordained priesthood or transubstantiation or or the authority of the Pope, then why stay Catholic at all? I mean, what's the And I think it's the same issue with Islam and, and with, is, is that when you really become aggressive or you say you really become hardcore on the left. Now, now because of politics, it's fashionable to use that Muslim identity because kind of in that intersection, Muslim identity is popular and white progressives yeah. kind of like being an ally. But when you really get into the meat and potatoes yeah. of how you're going to live your life, and you look into the Muslim tradition, you have to really stretch to find things that are conducive to kind of that left worldview. There, you know, you can stretch and find some of them maybe, but not a lot. Well, I gotta say, Umar, this has been a very disappointing first episode because I expected us to disagree on a lot more than, than we have. In fact, I can't even figure out where we have disagreed so far. So on our second episode, we will have to bitterly disagree about something we'll, yeah we'll, uh, we'll, we'll maybe you have a fist fight on 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 air there we <laughs> go there we go well all right i gotta get running i gotta i gotta be sent there as we say in the church okay see you next time all right Thank you for joining us for another episode of Disagreement with Umar Lee and Father Augustine Weta. If you like this podcast and feel that there should be more disagreements, please subscribe, add a review, tell your friends about us. <laughs> Salam alaikum. Edkum spiritu tuo. <laughs> <laughs>